You're listening to Girls Gone Wild. This is Joy. And this is Claire. This is episode 231. This episode is sponsored by The Good Kitchen. That's thegoodkitchen.com. Use the Girls Gone Wild link, Claire. www.thegoodkitchen.com forward slash GGW. That tells them we sent you. Then use code GGW to get 15% off your first order. We love The Good Kitchen. They are an amazing company. They have an amazing product. You guys have heard us talk nonstop about them. If you have not tried them yet, you're missing out, and you just need to get over there and order some delicious food. Every time I get, I eat one of their meals, I want to text you, but I'm like, it's just every single time. Like, every I, you're just going to get sick of this. But um, the nice thing, too, though, about that link is it takes you right to all the information you need about the Girls Gone Wild discount. So it'll say enter ggw so it tells you all that information too so use that link specifically to let them know we sent you and support the good kitchen so this week we have craig ballantyne on the show and i learned about craig ballantyne a couple years ago i've heard him on some podcasts he's actually like a pioneer in the podcast world as well he had his own podcast for a while and i heard him on the primal I think it's Mark Sisson's, one of his offshoots podcasts, like Primal Endurance or the Primal Podcast. And they were talking about his book, The Cardio Myth. And I just really, I think this whole year, Claire, you know that I, like we both have been on this journey to be like, don't be working out for like two hours a day <laughs> because it's just not the way it should be. And not so not necessary. So I was really intrigued by his take on this. I mean, a lot of people are talking about this too, but he's also a, a public speaker. He's very smart. He's has his own business. He runs turbulence training. He also wrote the perfect day formula, which I also read that book. So we when and when I was digging into this and researching about him a little bit more, I realized that he spends a lot of time in Denver. So I was like, Hey, I reached out to him. I said, Hey, we're in Denver. You're in Denver. Would you like to come see us? And so we recorded in my living room. And it was great. And JT was there. It was great. <laughs> yeah, he's a super interesting guy. If you guys are not familiar with him, I didn't really know much about him um, before we invited him on the podcast. And he is a super interesting guy. He's been working um, to make people's lives better and more productive for in his entire career. So check him out. And yeah, we hope you guys love this episode. So what episode is this? 230. 230. No, this no, is 231. 231. Sorry. This week is 230. Yeah. I was once episode 2000 on some guy's show. Oh my gosh. And I was episode 700. Yeah. What? Jimmy Moore. Uh, oh, like I a, love Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Like I swear he has thousands of episodes. Yeah. That a lot. amount of content production sounds crazy to me. It's something. Yeah. Um, so can, we're just going to get started right now. Okay, right. great. And make yourself at home. Yeah. <laughs> so... I know I know that you started uh, also with podcasting, like, way before podcasts were a thing. Yeah, I did, and I, I stopped that one, but I did, I did this thing where I did, like, this seven days, like, I did Sunday through Saturday of, like, this is your fitness tip of the day, and, and I was, like, putting, like, two and a half hours of work into it a week, Yeah, and it was back in 2008 or 9, and I was like, ah, I'm going to stop this. Yeah. And which is fine, but it was interesting to have tried it. Yeah. But how did you know about it? Like, I, when we started podcasting, it still, like, wasn't that popular. Man, I'm... Like, and so when I see podcasts from, like, 2008, 2009, I'm like, because yours was what? 2010? 9? 10? It was definitely... There was definitely some in 2009. Yeah. And I'm just in awe of people who, like, grabbed that medium because well, it was not at all popular. Yeah, but, I mean, I've been selling stuff online since 2001, which is, 
a long, long time, right? I was selling Word documents. That's what I was selling people through PayPal. They would contact me through the Men's Health Forum, which I was paid $300 a month to answer questions on, and they would ask me if I would write a program for them, and I would write a program in a Word document with no photos and send it to them and charge them 50 bucks, and they would pay me through PayPal. That's awesome. How great yeah, was it was that? great. It was really yeah. neat. It was really neat. I'm pretty and sure then, that's still like 80% of online businesses. This is just Word Docs and, or PDFs and PayPal. Yeah, yeah, true. And then so in 2003, then I started selling more automatically. And then, man, I maybe started in 2007, and I must have heard about it from some internet guy that I was involved with, and and I started doing it every week, and I would. I would spend hours on it and I just wasn't sure what was going on and I and there was a million things I was trying and I just stopped it yeah but what inspired you okay so let me back up a little bit like what inspired you to get into the fitness realm uh, I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach in the National Hockey League when I was in high school okay because I grew up in Canada in a small yeah. town and yeah. that's all you did was you played hockey and you drank beer yeah. or like- you drank beer and then you went and played hockey such a Canadian ambition yes yes and so you know so sometimes (laughs) the order didn't matter yeah and just and I I realized very quickly I was not playing in the NHL because (laughs) you know there's like where I came from I was good but I was mediocre because everyone in my town was so good yeah and um so depending on your hockey knowledge of Colorado Avalanche, Rob yeah. Blake played in my town. Oh, nice. Yes, so Rob Blake came, because my high school, not my high school team, but the, they had a junior team in town, and a lot of good players came through it, and Rob Blake was one of them, and, yeah. you know, so he went to my high school and everything, but I realized I wasn't playing, so I was like, okay, maybe be a physiotherapist, and then I realized there was this strength and conditioning thing, yeah. and so that's what I went to university for. Which is what we call college. In I know. Canada. I would love that you just said that. I yes. was like, university. Even though you guys call it's like the University of Colorado. I, know. I go to college it's, at the University. Of Colorado. I don't get it. Yeah. Anyway, I, so I, but I appreciate the yeah, word. Yeah. So I went and I was doing that, and I was like, okay, what do all these guys have? Who you know? Because it was right at when this at the start when teams were getting strength and conditioning coaches, and they all had a master's in exercise science of some kind. So I went and got that as well, mm-hmm. and. And I actually sent out resumes to every team in the NHL when I was 25 years old. And some of the like famous GMs like sent me a letter back and said, no, but thanks. Yeah. And it was really kind of neat. But then that was the same year I started writing for Men's Health. Okay. And I'm more of a nerd who would rather... Like when I'm in the gym training people, all I think about is sitting in front of a computer and writing an article about training the person. Okay. So I was more a computer guy. Yeah. So that it, once I started writing for Men's Health, I was like, okay, how do I go and create a career out of writing in front of, you know, sitting in front of the computer? And that's what I figured out how to do eventually, which was take my program, sell them on the internet... And take the sciencey stuff and break it down. And, and what was Men's Health asking you to write about? Like, what did, what drew you to that? So, I got totally lucky. So when people ask me how do I write for Men's Health, isn't magazine, that funny? Like how luck plays into it. Oh but, yeah, it was. It was, yeah. it was luck. But I mean, like I did right some work plan, to, to, to preparation. Get luck. Right? What was it? Preparation the, and uh, hard, preparation. Hard work, hard work puts you where good luck can find you. There you go. Right, but preparation meets opportunity. No, right. preparation and luck meet. No. Preparation, luck, yeah. We're that thing? That, that uh-huh. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, preparation, <laughs> opportunity is, equals luck, I think. Yeah. There you go. Or something. Whatever Oprah said. Yes, you worked but, very hard. Yes. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and so, so I was still a graduate student, and I was searching the NSCA website for, like, jobs and stuff, because I was graduating in a few months. And Lou Schuler was the men's 
health fitness editor at the time, and he had a post and like some message board that said, "Hey, send me stuff." I think, yeah. and so I had been writing an email newsletter starting in 1999. Uh, the side note here: I was sending that out by Hotmail. And nice. I had, I had three thousand people on my email list at one time. And you just like CC'd all of them. Yeah, no, it was BCC. <laughs> oh. Well, you, hey, uh, you I was were ahead <laughs> of the curve, but you could only do 50 people at a time. Oh, wow. So I sent the email out 60 times. So it would take Stop. me an hour to manually send the wow. email out every, and I sent it out every Monday. So for a year, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing, but I was still doing stuff. And anyway, so I sent him like the latest newsletter that I had written, which is like the dumbest thing. Like if you're going to, I'm going to try and get a magazine, I'm just going to randomly throw him some, you know, verbal diarrhea. And yeah. he was like, oh, this is great. Can we, we're going to publish this in the magazine next month. And then one of the things I realized, and I think this is still true and very valuable for anybody that's writing for any magazine or any publication, is that editors are the most overworked and underpaid people in the world. They are on deadline all the time. Oh, man, they probably make them like 50 or 60 grand a year probably at best. And I got back to them right away. And by getting back to them right away, they were like, oh, this guy, we can send him more stuff because they might have had like famous guys who were just not getting back to them. Right. So I got back to them and that allowed me to work for them for 17 years. Oh my God. That's crazy. I once interned for Alpinist Magazine with no alpine climbing experience whatsoever, pretty much just because I showed up. Right. No, they were like, sure. We we got a kitchen table for you. I (laughs) literally wrote the gear guide for Telemark Skier Magazine that year. I have never once in my life tele skied. (laughs) <laughs> to this day right just because you because, showed up right. and you could put one word in front of the other right. and away you and I go. knew the difference between who and whom and how to use a semicolon and there you go well I don't know that and do you want a quick t- a quick tip tutorial yes. about who yeah. and whom yes mm-hmm. okay so here's here's all you need to know this is a grammar girl do you know grammar girl the website yeah grammar no. girl podcast oh. you'll love it okay yeah now you know yeah so if you if you were to ask the question um who are you going with yeah you'd say I'm going with him and yeah. it ends with an M so thus, you actually are going to say whom. Okay. Whom are you going with? Him. If you'd, a- if you'd answer if the question. Luke? Well, for the purposes of this, of this exercise, proper nouns are not involved. Okay. We're only talking about pronouns. Stumped the grammar girl. Did you stump me if I answered your I, question by, I, by referencing pronouns and proper know. nouns? What about... We're um, only talking about pronouns I'm in this situation. among the people or am I amongst the people? Ooh, that one I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's mm-hmm. like, is it even the same word? That's a good question. Yeah. Among amongst. Yeah. I want to say my first reaction, not that I know this for sure, but I think you can use, you can, they're interchangeable. Interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Right. So we'll have to look it up. Anyway. So something, something internet. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. Okay. So one of the reasons, <laughs> and see, uh, one of the reasons too, that I really was interested in talking to you is uh, a lot of the work you did with the cardio myth. And so um, I feel like there's a huge shift in, at least for us, we talk about this a lot with our audience of like, there's a shift in the fitness culture, diet culture of like, stop torturing yourself. And <laughs> so groundbreaking, so groundbreaking. Don't but I, I do feel like, you know, when I was in college, I remember it was like running and running was my outlet and all that crap. And I ran tons of marathons and whatever. But now I see the shift into working out smarter. So I do feel like there's still just that culture and you see it here, of course, like people biking and running with slings on. I remember seeing right. a guy yeah. like biking up a, like a mountain with a sling on. So he has one arm on his bike and on, on a highway and it's just like, like a, like a sling, like, yeah, a, like oh, his arms in a I sling. We were talking about like, you know, for, well, this is 
back to this weird climbing stint I had. Slings is like what you carry your climbing gear on. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah. He like bikes to the diamond. He free solos. He bikes back to Boulder. No, nah, this guy had his arm in a sling. So he no, has guys. one arm on his handlebars, and he's biking up a very steep grade on a four-lane highway, like up by Evergreen, Colorado. And I'm like... You know, dude, just like what bike you, inside or something. What yeah. are you gaining from this experience? That's a good question. That's actually the, you know, going back to the torch, we'll circle around to yeah, it. Yeah. But the question I ask people now, and I ask myself this every day, uh, because I used to train a lot, and now it's, you know, I'm like 42 years old, and you get the nagging injuries. And so it's like, is this set, is this repetition, is everything worth it? Can I justify it? If I had to, you know, if I had to justify it in somebody's program or something, you know, is four sets really better than three mm-hmm. and, and all that sort of stuff. And then I also use the Kenny Rogers test for my workouts, yeah. which is you have to know when to hold them yeah, and know when, when to fold them. them. And <laughs> I, because like four or five years ago, I'd be like, okay, one more set or one more exercise. And then I'd like, you know, tweak something yeah. and it'd be like, it's always that last rep or that last set it's like just don't do it so i just stopped doing it and now i just do i actually train less than than probably since i was 17 years old i think and just because if i train more it wouldn't matter anyways so why do you think that more is better became such a phenomenon like there's got to be the leaders that it goes all the, the way back. World. It goes all the way back to exercise physiology research in like the 1960s and 70s. So Dr. Cooper came up with the aerobics thing, and then all the researchers who were researching in universities, colleges, whatever, um, higher they, education, they were all they were all really into running, and so all of their research studies were on running, and then all of the nutrition studies were on carbohydrates for for post running and that became why you should eat carbohydrates to lose weight because that was the only research and it was all because these guys were really just using like government funding to figure out how to run better marathons because that's what they were really interested in right and so that's what research was up until like the early 90s um, and I was fortunate I went to this school called McMaster University mm-hmm. in Canada <laughs> um, it wasn't a college because college is like a step below university in Canada okay, all right. and you it's Canadians. Still good. You I know, Canadians. I know. Do, but do you know the difference? You know, like the definition of the difference between college and university. A university has a master's program. Really? Yeah, that's that's the definition of the difference. A college is a four year program where you only get your undergraduate. A university includes a postgraduate. Claire work. is full of fun facts I tonight. Feel like that's I the first time I've ever heard a boot that. I see what I you did o- there. I overemphasized I that. Love but, um, <laughs> love I love it. I love it. I'm going to stop like, being the encyclopedia over here. I know. But she's I just, the encyclopedia. Like, I'm not but usually that, like this. That, uh, I'm taking control of this conversation now. Um, <laughs> Please do. That is, that is why people started studying that stuff in the first place. And then I, I was fortunate I went to this school where they actually started studying like resistance training and did a lot of uh, stuff there. So they're kind of groundbreaking there. And so... But that's what they were just into. And Why do you so think it started with running? it just dominated all the research. Why do you think it started with running? Just because that was what was Because it came from Kenneth Cooper's thing. And so, like in that book that you referenced that most people don't know that I wrote, it's The Great Cardio Myth came out last year. And it all starts with, like, that's how it all got started. So in whenever John F. Kennedy was president, he talked about how people were going soft. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is like, America's been going soft since before you guys went to the moon. And, <laughs> and so John F. Kennedy calls out 
the um, JFK, let's call him JFK, calls, JFK. Out, calls out America for being soft. And Kenneth Cooper comes in and says, hey, we're going to get all these people doing aerobic training. And I forget why, but I mean, he's gone and said, you know what, yeah, it's probably wrong. Uh, you know, like ten, five or 10 years ago, he admitted he was kind of wrong on that. But that sent everybody down this path of, okay, we got to go and increase the amount of exercise that we're doing. Um, and calories in, calories out. Yeah, that sort of stuff. And it, but it was all about like heart health and yeah. you know specific training zones. And then that led to all the marathons becoming so popular and so on and so forth. Which, what I understand, they are less popular than ever now. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. They're going. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's because of like tough mutter races and stuff too. Yeah. But yeah. people just don't want to do that stuff. Right. And so. That's how they got. We all got into that, and also how it spread to the low. In my opinion, how it spread to like the focus on carbohydrates, especially after training, because all of these guys were just studying marathon training, right? Because they were into marathon training as well. Yeah. Like if you went to a research uh, conference, even in the early mid '90s, when I was going to them as a graduate student, like. All those guys, especially when they were in Colorado, they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to go and run Pikes Peak. Like, they were just so excited to, to come out because they all wanted to train for marathons. And so all of the research dollars went into figuring out how they could run marathons better. So that's how we all got sucked into that world. Mm -hmm. yeah. The only good thing that came out of that was the low-fat yogurt episode of Seinfeld. Because <laughs> if, if we didn't have... If we didn't have the low carb or the you know the low right. fat stuff we wouldn't have had that episode that's a yeah. great so, point way to look on the bright side yeah oh, bright I'm, side. Always, I'm always yeah. trying yeah. to pull Glass a Seinfeld yeah. reference into something <laughs> we do mean girls you do Seinfeld yeah. it's all good um, I'm I am so tempted to go on another tangent right now but I feel like I'm going to well, draw myself give, give us give us a tease and we'll, uh, we'll uh, vote you down on it's it, about probably. Seinfeld tweets he tweets no no or no or anybody tweeting tweets about Seinfeld okay there is this and it's been out for a while now. There's this like series of tweets that imagines what Seinfeld episodes would be like if they were placing the present day. Oh. And so it's like one of them is um, Jerry is suspicious of his new girlfriend when her phone automatically connects to the Wi-Fi in Newman's apartment. Ooh. Newman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And others and like, you know, something about Kramer getting on a dating app and all those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that, uh, that would be something. Um, but you know, it, it's almost like that. Seinfeld was from like a naive or innocent time really? yeah. when they had landlines. Yeah. Yes, those true. are the days. So, when you're training folks, is that something that you have a hard find? You have a hard time overcoming? Is that mindset that's based in like cardio, cardio, cardio? Can I add to that? Just specific, because a lot of our audience is women. Um, just specific. I love women for the record. Just, Thank you. Just Thank just you very much. Sure everybody That's knows. Everyone. They're great. Not, They're not great. Not Harvey Weinstein way, but in, a, yeah. <laughs> in an okay way. Inside that out if you want. Asterisk. Um, <laughs> but a lot of I just I know this just as a female, but a lot of our audience is female, and they struggle with that to this day. People still are stuck on that. So how do you approach women to be like, chill, trust? You don't have to work out like five hours a day. You know, it's almost like. When somebody doesn't eat enough and they're like worried, like, oh, if I eat a little extra, I'm, I'm going to gain weight. And you're like, okay, just, just eat like 100 extra calories today and then we'll weigh you tomorrow. And then like, you'll notice, okay, that was okay. And then you can like go a little bit more. And then with the, with the training, you just kind of bring, yeah, you know, you're training 45 minutes today. What if you only train 40 tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Like, do you think that would make a huge difference? You know, let's, let's have you train 40 for a little bit. And like, I don't 
want to start that way, but if somebody's like really hard, and I've had some clients like that, just like, can you not run for an hour every day? Like seriously. And so it's just bringing them back into, uh, you know, stop being Sandy, bringing them back to reality and slowly show them like, hey, even if you missed a workout, things didn't change. And then you kind of try to educate them on science. Like the whole point of training is to stim, you know, give a stimulus to the body, stimulate the body to make a change. Right. So you, your body makes the change when it's not in the gym and when it's in recovery mode. And then you try and educate them a little bit on hormones and you, you educate them a little bit of physiology. You know, you try and make the complex as simple as possible, but eventually you just work to that point. And I think one or two major things that I can use in my arguments, I talk about in the book, you know, first of all, those cardio readouts, it, they've done measurements on this and they overestimate by 40% in some cases, right. 20, 20 to 40%. Right. You know, so they say like, the you've burned 300 calories and like, yeah, like really right. you burn 200, but here's the thing. Most people don't even think about the resting. If you, if you if sat on the couch, on the couch yeah. you would have burned 60 to 80 calories. So you really, to, that to just have blew bored, my mind. yeah, to, to have bored yourself out of your mind, you have burned yeah. 120 calories. Like, just think of all the other things. You could walk the dog. You could go on a hike. You could, you know, you could go to like a, you could go to a women's self-defense class and like actually learn something that's going to be valuable to you. Sure. Instead of going to theater, watching HGTV on the TV in front of your cardio theaters. Yes. Yes. I mean, if you want to watch TV, fine, but just be honest, like you're just going to watch TV. (laughs) Now, now here's the thing. And this, this is going to turn all, like, this is the, this is the killer of cardio right here. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. one time during uh, university college, I was, uh, when I was a trainer, they, you know, during winter break, they said, hey, does anybody want to stay around and clean the gym? And so the, like, the guy who came and fixed all the cardio machines was there, and he took, like, the, you know, some of the machines apart, and you looked at the gunk that was in them, and... Oh my gosh, women, you do not ever want to put your hands on a machine again after you see all of the stuff that's in there. Yes, there's so much grossness, so much hair, so much. That little Lysol wipe that you do. Oh, yeah. Come on. Like, think about this. At your gym, that machine has been running 10 years. Yeah. You know, if you've been going to the same gym, that thing's been sitting there in the corner for 10 years, Stairmaster, Elliptical, whatever it is. Nobody's wiping it down. It's, it's no. like when I, I stay at hotel rooms and a lot because I travel a lot. Yeah. I'm like, nobody's wiping this thing down. Like, I, don't, I don't even put clothes in the drawers anymore because I've thought about how I've put clothes in the drawers. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't put clothes in there. Or if I do, I put a towel down in the drawers. But usually I just store all my clothes in the bed because I actually considered like that's possibly the cleanest place. Oh, okay. Well, didn't yeah. they do a study that the comforter is like the most dirty thing? In yeah, the- but I mean, that's on top. It, you know, so, you know, you like, you, you, take you it go off. and you, you walk in, you immediately smash the remote control and, <laughs> and you put it in a fire. Um, you should see my five-minute OCD cleaning the room when I walk in. Yeah, I just... Do you, you have, have like, your routine? You have like I have routine. I have towels down all over the place. I'm wow. like, hey, can you give me like nine days worth of towels? So you're as soon you, as I walk you in. You like do the equivalent of like a toilet seat cover on your whole on your whole when room. I'm, when I'm on an airplane, I bring uh, alcohol wipes yes. and I wipe everything down. I do I mean, that. Yeah. I do that, but it's because I have a two year old who's then gonna like put his mouth on everything. <laughs> I do that because your two year old has put everything on it. That's a good point. Right. Touche. Yeah. But, 
like I see like people like, hey, I'm just gonna have my baby dance on top of the tray. Well, I mean, that's cool, yeah. but they I gotta mean, have some an activity, right? Right. <laughs> so like, I, I wipe everything down. I think I, I you know, I, I didn't wipe anything down in here yet, but no, I, pretty, I think I'm pretty. Good. I'm pretty OCD. Joy is yeah. pretty clean. If yeah, if we I were, have let the dog lick my face. So. Yeah, he's pretty clean. Yeah. I, I mean, brush his teeth. Yeah, even. she does. He brush. He gets his teeth brushed probably more than the average toddler. Yeah. I actually <laughs> thought of trying to do that with my dog one time, and it's just like. Nah. I mean, it's happened since he was born, so he's used to it. Got it. Do you know we're talking about you? <laughs> oh, like, buddy. Please don't brush my teeth. <laughs> So, so yeah, I mean, you just don't want to touch most machines. At least with dumbbells, you're kind of like, well, I mean, they're just, they're going to be dirty with hands Nobody are, uses but, them I mean, there's anyway, no, like, so. hairballs in them. No. So, anyways, I think that, I think I even wrote about that in the book, and I, I just write, write about a lot of stuff. And, and then I think there's one other aspect that, that is unsaid a lot that most people are, you know, I think the phrase is exercise bulimia. So, yeah. Uh, you know, there's two ways of doing it. There's, there's, you know, so Thanksgiving just happened. I don't know when this is going to go out, but I mean, we're in holiday season. And so people are thinking, oh, I'll just go to the gym tomorrow and burn off the 3,500 calories of sweet potatoes I ate, which I actually try and eat when like, I mean, you can give me nothing else. Just give me the the whole thing of sweet potatoes. Um, And so, you know, they go and I call this the cardio confessional. And you know what? You can go on the cardio confessional and it's not going to do you any good because, I've made a few funny YouTube videos where I exercise while my friend eats food. And in four minutes, he was able to eat 1,400 calories worth of pizza and soda just at a regular pace. And I was able to burn like 42 calories running really hard. And that video was made in like 2008 or nine. has a couple hundred thousand views on YouTube. And it's really goofy. It's with this guy, Brad Pilon, who has a, a book called Eat, Stop, Eat. And he's a nice guy. And then in the same night, we made four videos like that. But I did all the exercise and he did all the eating. So he must have <laughs> ate like 5,000 calories. He oh ate, my gosh. The next thing, the next one was when he had a giant, I think it was a giant frappuccino and an espresso brownie from Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And But he ate this at like 9 o'clock at night after the pizza and soda. Um, he so we made just it, felt horrible at the end of the night. He probably, he, he's, he's like, this is awesome. You know, oh. he was loving it. So yeah. we made these videos. <laughs> and so that just shows you like you can't, you know, the old phrase is yeah. you can't out-exercise a bad diet. But then... Uh, there's a big section in our book about how people run marathons, much like you know bodybuilders are as crazy and as wrong in the same way. Like I'm going to go and I'm going to go and diet down for 16 weeks so mm-hmm. I can go out one day and eat everything I want. Yeah. Well, why don't you just like eat normally and not do all of this stuff? You know. We were just talking about this. We were our episode before Thanksgiving where it was like it feels like you have sweater season and you have bikini, or there's like holiday season or there's bikini season. Like you're either completely gorging yourself or you're completely restricting yourself like why not just find a middle ground and just live there all year yeah and look and like be great all year you know and so in one of the chapters in her book in the book i read this article about like a couple of these old nice old ladies who ran the the, um new york marathon Mm -hmm. and it took them nine hours to run the marathon like they the the marathon was officially over you know it cuts off at six but they they finish it in nine and their logic for running the marathon was that they could go and eat 26 cupcakes because each mile was a, was was a, a cupcake. cupcake. That's not how the math works. You know, I'm a, <laughs> that's not how any of this works <laughs> because, because a mile, if you run a mile, technically that's around a hundred calories burned. So if you run a marathon, that's only 2,600 calories. So that doesn't even make up for your sweet potatoes. But if you ate 20 cupcakes, that would be like 8,000 calories. So you know, these women, that's why it took them nine hours to run the marathon, yeah. you know? And so it's, 
it is not your fault for having this in your head because it's been ingrained in you since you know whenever you were five years old and you or the first time you heard about exercise and you know your well, first literally to going it back in every to, magazine yeah and going back to your comment about JFK like literally in element in public elementary schools you are subjected to the presidential fitness test which is from that era yeah but you have a flexed arm hang don't you do you guys have a flexed arm hang that's what we have in Canada yeah but then it's also like your mile time your sit ups like all these different things but literally those were to what you were saying those were created during that same JFK you know, all Americans are getting fat and lazy. And so now you are subjected to all of these different tests in elementary school. Oh my and, God, and you're I'm told like, that's what it starts. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, but you know, all it's really the magazines, yeah. the magazines and, and the running stuff. And, you know, I, I will, will say I respect people that run fast Yeah, because they it's ran hard. the Toronto marathon, like outside of my apartment in Toronto. And the guys who were running, four minute miles for 26 miles i'm impressed yeah, yeah. like that's I'm super amazing and once in a while i see like you know like like just i, I wouldn't say they were normal people but i see people run like when i see people running running outside i'm like good for you but when i see people like jogging or <laughs> jogging uh it's a soft j yes it's a soft <laughs> Uh, then, then I feel sad because it's and like you look so miserable, and I so want to go miserable. up to them and be like, "There's a better way." Right, a better and way. You, you don't want to do it. You're in pain. Okay, so yeah. let me let me interrupt you really quick too. The, but uh, so this came from like the diet culture too of like I need to burn off my food because I'm uncomfortable. I'm just saying this like a lot of women feel this way. Sure. I was guilty of that, right? Like I all through college, I was like, I just want to eat whatever I want. Like in your 20s, you're stupid and you just think you can like make up for a bad diet by going and running eight miles every day. And but actually, you just make up for it by being twenty. Exactly. Yes. Right. Like, because you're for real. Your biology yeah. is just amazing. You're yes. just like I just don't know. I'm just gonna go to the club and dance this off. Right. Right. Yeah. Why don't you? Why don't more people just do that? Let's yeah. just have more dancing. Yeah. Done. Whoops. Podcast over. Dance time. Is podcast over? No. Oh no, oh no no! I just make sure. I'm just making sure I just didn't pause it. So and we're good. Um, I just got really excited. So yes, yeah, so podcast over. Time to dance. Yeah, time to dance. No. Right. Um, so I, I lost my train of thought, but I think what, what I'm trying to get at too is like, I know your intention of writing the cardio myth, right? Yeah. Like the great cardio myth, and so it's like, and I 100 percent agree with you. So I think that like, um, how can women, especially like, wrap their head around? They're not going to blow up if they let go of cardio. And I know it's like backing off little by little by little by little. But here's the other thing. It's like, what if you really enjoy it? That's what people will be like, well, running is like my therapy. That's fine. That's and fine. I don't 100% agree with that. Like, but like, where can people like find the balance of like not killing themselves and like having the mentality of like, don't go out and kill, kill, your, kill yourself. I, but like, I think it is. It kind of goes back to that purpose question. Like if you're running for your mental health and it makes you feel great then keep running. If you're running because you feel like you're, you have to burn off your sweet potatoes, then maybe reevaluate. And, and so a couple of things there. So going back to the burning off calories with running, I always, I always use the analogy or not the analogy, but like say, you know what, you can have that mentality of breaking down your body. That's a catabolic approach to it. You're thinking about how can I break down my body so that I can eat whatever I want or eat this stuff with Proper weight training and proper training, now you're thinking about how can I take that food that I've eaten and put it in the right spots? That's the way I always try to get people to think about it now. It's like, okay, I want to go and, you know, I want to put some here, I want to put some there. Now it's like more of a healthier relationship with the food that you take in. So it's like, how can I put, you know, the calories into the curves in the right spot? 
So that's the first thing I try and get them going on. And then even with the running for mental health, it's still like, but what if you just ran like a couple minutes less? Like, would you be any less, like, would you be any, you know, would you still be as stressed out or would you just have the same bliss if you only ran 30 minutes, maybe a little bit harder, or maybe you did like 20 minutes of running and 20 minutes of, you know, cycling or something just because at the end of the day, if you're running a lot, you're going to be beating yourself up. Yeah. And I mean, speaking as someone who's 40, everyone, uh, your body does break down. It doesn't last forever. Yeah. And, I'm 30 thing- and I can contest to that. Like 23. It catches up. Like, it totally catches up. And I, uh, now I will say on the other hand, I feel like I'm 17 and I'm 42 and it's because of smart training because yeah. if I, I used to run a lot. So I used to play soccer when I was a kid and I used to think like in college that I would just go and do this slow run, you know, long, slow runs. I was like up until like second year, I didn't get the right education and in college and then after second year I was like oh this is how you really train for it so I was doing too many long runs and I actually got slower and so I actually ruined my soccer performance so it's just a matter of like smart training can allow you to feel great and perform great for a long long time like mm-hmm. you know you guys both know Mark Sisson I mean that guy oh, looks yeah. great moves great just paddle boards all day like yeah, I just want to be totally. living the dream yeah, yeah. But he's got good mental health, and he's not right. running. Yeah. You know, but he yeah. did used to run, and you realize, oh, yeah. I don't think this is yeah, like Yeah, he's like right eating, poking, and climbing trees. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Be his, have his life. Okay, so where do you stand on CrossFit? And so, just so we're clear. Right on top of it. <laughs> no. I'm not following. You stand on Greg Glass. I just stand on it, and I stand. No, and I, I mean, stomp I, it. I have, I have nothing against it, but... Um, in 2006, when I started, like one of my programs became really popular, I had all these people who were CrossFit people saying, you just copied this off CrossFit. And I'm like, no, what, I, I copied exercise. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, I've never done CrossFit. I think I would fall apart if I did CrossFit. So I don't really poke my head in there too much. Sure. But I think that what it's done for women wearing high socks has been the greatest one of the greatest things. So it is I, pretty great. I bow down to it for that. I agree. Um, it's revolutionary. Uh, in it's it's done more good things than bad things. And you know, actually, I did a I did a video on Instagram the other day where I did handstands, and the woman and somebody posted like, "Oh my God, you do CrossFit?" And I'm like, "No, I do handstand." <laughs> yeah, isn't like, that funny? Like, these have been these these were invented like at least three years before CrossFit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So. So, you know, oh my God, you're sweating. Do you do right. CrossFit? <laughs> oh my God, you're talking incessantly about exercise. You must do CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, so I really just uh, but, am impressed by it okay, in many so, ways. Okay, so and I, the reason I asked that is I um, like we're not we're open to everything, right? Like we do CrossFit, like but we don't do CrossFit, that. CrossFit ex- dancing, you know, exclusively. Fit wall. CrossFit Fit wall. dancing. Do they have a dancing. CrossFit dancing certification yet? No, but they we should because that. I would completely we just invented it. right. Because I love how they have CrossFit certifications everything. for everything. Ballroom dancing. Yeah. I CrossFit could make ballroom that happen. Da- Joy was a, um, she ballroom danced in the, which Super Bowl was it? In the Super no. Bowl halftime show with you Diana always, Ross. You always confuse what? the two. I danced in the halftime show, Super Bowl 30 with Diana Ross. And then I went to a ballroom dancing competition in oh, Vegas. But you didn't ballroom in dance in the Super Bowl. Not ballroom. She always oh, confuses the two. She always matches the awesome, two. Yeah, it is very awesome. <laughs> CrossFit ballroom dancing certification. Um, I wonder if Diana Ross would sign off on that. Just come back and like yeah, she anyway, would. Anyway. wave her hair around. Anyway. So, um, but what would you, be your critiques of CrossFit from what you know about exercise? I honestly don't know enough about CrossFit to critique. Stop. It. Seriously? Like, 
Like I've never been to the website. I've know? never looked at a, a daily workout because as soon as people started mouthing me off, I'm like, I'm never going to this website about it. That's interesting. You just like don't want to have that in your because focus. Because I, I don't want when I was when I like I don't really do a lot in the exercise space anymore, and and so it's like I don't want anybody to think I'm stealing off CrossFit, so I'm not going to go to the website. So, so, they, so, so you don't you even have a chance your, to be like influenced. You can go yeah. back and check your browser history and be like, see, yeah, yeah. I didn't go to the website. right. Like I've never <laughs> been to this this thing. So how do you train now? Uh, I guess like if I was to say anybody influences me the most, it'd be this guy Jim Wendler. Like he does five three one. Oh, like, we are very familiar with yeah, that. Very I mean, familiar. All, all I do is I, I just like today I deadlifted and yeah, but that's like all I do. I, I do like two exercises in my workout. I do a fifteen minute old man warm, warm up that I call it, yeah. and I just toe touches. Yeah, a lot of deep knee bends. Yeah flexed arm hangs and and uh, very tight uh, high shorts and so very good that's generally what i do and I, so i just you know i train three or four times a week uh, probably four times a week and then i walk a lot yeah and i try and, and you look my very old fit man, so clearly and, something's working yeah i try and keep my old man hips yeah. okay like i did one of these executive physicals like that executives go to it and they had a treadmill there and they had like these five stages and i was like yeah, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm warmed up now. And they're like, okay, you finished all five stages. Do you want to keep going? Like, nobody keeps going here. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, let's keep going for a couple more stages. And, and they were like, why are you even here? <laughs> Basically, by the end of it. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of blessed with, like, being a skinny guy and generally fit enough. Uh, I'm not super strong, but that's how I train. Yeah. I yeah. train, like... I trained when I was 17, basically. Yeah. A little bit smarter. A little bit smarter um, and wiser. Yes. yes. I want to... Rogers. Yes. I uh, want to move on because you mentioned not looking at CrossFit. And I know you're... I read your book, The Perfect Day Formula. Um, and the uh, idea of, like, not really looking at your competitors or, like, not really comparing yourself to people that, like, you compare yourself to. So is that something, like, about CrossFit? You're like, I just don't want to know. Um, I wouldn't say it's like a competitor, but is that a piece I of also, like? I also think I, like, I think there's value in that of like just being like I don't want to put that on my radar. Like that's kind of screwing with my mojo. Yeah, I think that also I really think that my shoulders would break if I tried doing CrossFit. I I just don't think I could do most of the workouts. It seems like, and I wouldn't want to train that way. I don't want to train that hard. Mm-hmm. I just and I don't like to train on other people's schedules and I don't like people telling me what to do so I can never actually go to a CrossFit. Who's that, right. who's that girl who has all those personality types? Gretchen Rubin? Gretchen Rubin. Do you, have you ever found out your Gretchen Rubin personality type? No, I didn't know mm-hmm. she had... I know she has books mm-hmm. but I didn't know she had types. What are they? I again? don't want to go into it because I don't know the exact ones oh, so I'm they, totally going to fudge it. It's like ha- the obliger. One up for me. The yeah, obliger is one of them. You're like the... You're the opposite of the obliger. You're, what is it? Like the rebel or something? Basically like anything that's told you to do you just have to oh, prove yeah. that you don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so that I mean, I never got into it that way, and and it really, it's just too hard for me. I just, I'll just be straight up honest. It's too hard for me, and I don't <laughs> want anything to do with it. It's totally honest. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not good at like gymnastics style stuff. But you can do handstand push-ups. You proved it on do Instagram. Three of them. That's a lot. That's three more than I can do. Yeah. So I have a question for you. And I'm not good, that good at pull-ups either. And yeah, like, those are hard. Yeah. Would you like to come to CrossFit with us tomorrow? No. <laughs> no. I'm not going to no. CrossFit tomorrow either. No. Um, so to go though a little bit more, you know, to kind of move away from exercise a little bit and go more into like the perfect day conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, I was listening to your interview with Mike Kaju. Who we love. Who oh, we yeah. love. I like this one. That guy's great. Well, and his wife. Yeah. Awesome. They are, they're an intense power couple. They're great. Um, and I really was interested in, we've been talking a lot about this, about what you were talking about with like the prioritization and that ruthless prioritization and, you know, picking like your one or two priorities. And within that though, I think that it can be tough when you are in a phase of your life that's feels very busy or very, you know, dictated by other people. Like you have this job and then you have whatever other responsibilities that are on your plate. And I think that in general, when I hear people who are more like kind of entrepreneur, entrepreneurial types or entrepreneur coaches, that type of thing, I tend to immediately dismiss it. Of like, these people have all the time in the world. They can prioritize however they want. Good for you. You can get up and spend 40 minutes like journaling. I have to change a poopy diaper the first thing right. that I do when I get out of bed. Yeah. And so first of all, I, for the people who haven't heard that interview or are not familiar with that concept, if you want to talk a little bit about that, but then also... Can you maybe, how do you spin that or how do you address it with people where it's like. Do you know that there's never been uh, an entrepreneur uh, mom who's, who's had a child? Never do you, do you in the, know never, there's never been one? No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, you know, I think that I, when I hear this idealistic ver- idea of like own your time and I'm not saying that like I could never do it. I'm just right. saying like when I hear it explained like that, like, oh, it's so black and white, like just own your time. It's like, that sounds great. And it feels less realistic for the maybe not the majority of people but for a lot, the way a lot of people live their lives yeah so there's a couple of things there so uh, you know there is an analogy with training and so all the stuff that i've ever done has been about how to get more with less so when i did turbulence training it was how to get more results with less workout time and with the perfect day formula it was like how to get more results with like less work time and so it becomes it you know you can go into from what I understand, there's a lot of exercises in the CrossFit workout, I would imagine. And there's a lot of exercises in most people's workouts. So, you know, you go to like a Shape magazine or a Flex magazine, there's a lot of redundant exercises in there. So it's a matter of looking at people's schedules and saying, what really matters here? Mm-hmm. And for those people that, you know, don't have to change poopy diapers in the morning, I have so many clients who, you know, are single entrepreneurs who like email me and say, you know what, I'm really stressed out by 7.30 in the morning because of my morning routine. And I look at it and there's 12 things. They're doing, you know, they're doing yoga, they're doing meditation, they're doing gratitude journaling, they're doing freeform journaling, they're doing um, exercise, they're doing interpretive dance. Like, like can you <laughs> just... ballroom dancing. Right, right. <laughs> and then they're working on the certification for CrossFit ballroom right. dancing. Underwater basket weaving. Yeah, and it's like why do you have to do all these things? Yeah. And it's like, well, because I read that this person was doing this and this person was doing this and this person. And it's like, no, you don't have to do that. What you have to figure out is what really matters to you and what's really important at this phase in your life. And mm-hmm. so if you have a two-year-old kid, two-year-old kid is going to be like the most important thing in your life for probably another two years. So you have to understand that it's a matter of expectations. Mm-hmm. So one of my clients last week, he said, he, he, every, every Monday, my coaching clients in Perfect Day programs have to send me an update. Of, uh, they answer nine questions. And this guy was like really upset. Like, man, last week, you know, I didn't get anything done and I overate. And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, it was Thanksgiving it, week. It's Thanksgiving week. And, yeah. <laughs> and you know where you're coming from. You don't have a habits of exercise and nutrition. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's more of a work guy and he's not into that stuff. I'm like... You set unrealistic expectations, and now you're stressed out by it. And if you just set realistic expectations, 
you'd be not stressed and you would have realized you actually had some big gains last week. Mm -hmm. But all he was thinking about was all these other people are able to control themselves or, you know, do this or it's like, no, you can't do that. I think there is an okay time to compare yourself to other people in terms of, you know, performance. Like if, you know, if you're a quarterback in the NFL and you're like, okay, what can I learn from that other person? Not can, you know, what am I envious about that other person? What can I learn from that other person? And, And so when I go to a speaking event and I watch all the other speakers up there, I'm not like comparing myself in a bad way to them. I'm saying, oh, I love how he did that opener there. What can I learn from that? And, you know, I love, this guy has way more energy than me. How can I bring more energy to my stuff? So now you go, all right, who's the super mom who does all the stuff? And you're like, how did she do this? Like, what can I learn from her? What can I figure out? You know, this, this mom is an entrepreneur. This person, you know, they're my mentor, my boss at work. And, you know, they've had kids. You know, what can I learn from them? And so then you figure that out. And then you start cutting back. Most people need to cut, cut, cut. We go to Bruce Lee. It's not about the daily increase. It's about the daily decrease. Hack away at the unessential. Mm-hmm. And the unessential, going back to our exercise conversation, is the 40 minutes of cardio when it could be 15 minutes of really hard interval training. All right. And in you know in business world, it's like, okay, what are the things that really matter? And then you figure that out the night before. Mm-hmm. And then you plan so that as soon as you can get into your work, you get into it and you focus on the, on the things that matter and you avoid the distractions. So to me, even like, you know, I get up really early in the morning and people go, oh, well, I'm never going to get up that, that early. I don't care what time you get up. Yeah. It's not yeah. about the hour you get up. It's about what you do with the hours that you are up. And so we go, okay, here's the real world for me. I got to get up and I got to deal with this two-year-old until they go to daycare or until whatever happens. Those are my expectations. Mm-hmm. If anything good happens in there, it's a bonus. And then we go, okay, but then from 9 till 11, you know what? Those are the hours in which I got a GSD. I got to get stuff done, mm-hmm. and I can't you know, get out of my focus. That has to be deep work time. I'd be mentally prepared for it. And if I can win those two hours, mm-hmm. then the rest of the day is going to be great, and I can just – those are my expectations. And if you, if you take a look at an objective look at your life and figure out, okay, this is what I can do. And this is like me performing at my best level, mm-hmm. then you're going to be okay with it. And you're going to make progress. And I think people also underestimate what they can get done in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Because when I was a personal trainer from 2002 to 2005 ish, I was spending 15 minutes every morning from 4 30 a.m., well, maybe 20 minutes till about 10 to 5, working on my online business. Those were the only 20 minutes of quality time I had all day long. And then I had to go and catch the bus downtown Toronto and train people all day long. And it was those 20 minutes, 20 minutes at a time that I was able to set myself free and help millions of people because I was consistent with it. And I got a whole lot done in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, they think, oh, it's just like, just like another training analogy here. People would always, you know, all these guys would email me and say, well, I can only get to the gym for 30 minutes, so it's not worth it. Like, yeah, it's like, what are you talking about? You, insane. Yeah. I can destroy you in 10 minutes. You know, <laughs> just let me. And, and it was just a matter of, you know, they didn't have the right perspective of it. And you really can accomplish a lot, even in 10 minutes, mm-hmm. whether it's business related or it's physical training related. You can do a whole lot in a very short amount of time. So if you're dealing with someone who's like completely 
their whole day is completely scattered, like don't even know where to begin here. What would be the first step that you'd recommend? The first step is we're going to plan out tomorrow tonight. So if people are doing their to-do list first thing in the morning, it's already too late. You have to do it the night before. So you have to sit there and think, what is my number one priority? What is the one thing that I have to make progress on tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And then that I'm going to get up and I'm going to go right to it. And you know, all these other, all these people want to do all these other things. You know, they got to do all that, you know, meditation and all that stuff before they do anything else. And telling you if you do that the next thing you know it's going to be nine o'clock and you have to go and do something for somebody else and then it's going to be five o'clock and you didn't get anything done Mm -hmm. so you have to do that stuff and if you do that 15 minutes you know the rest of the day can go haywire and everything can go wrong but nobody can take those 15 minutes of progress away from you Mm -hmm. and what i've read in terms of research in terms of employees and team members is that if they don't see progress, you know, if they come in to work and they're working mm-hmm. on a project for you and, you know, three weeks go by and it doesn't seem like there's any progress and, you know, there's no communication, if they don't see progress, they don't have any momentum. And when they lose momentum, they become disengaged employees and the next thing you know, they quit. Right. So I applied that same idea to anybody, whether it's somebody going in for training or whether it's somebody going in for changing any habit or whether it's somebody who wants to start a business. You have to have small victories. They give you the motivation and momentum mm-hmm. to keep going and having the bigger stuff. So that's generally where I would start with somebody. Great. I will work on that. Yes. Claire, <laughs> I, I plan mean, your to-do dissect list. your entire day. I mean, I love doing that stuff. <laughs> and it's, it's also very easy for me because I'm kind of blessed with this gift of seeing that. Mm-hmm. But also, I've just helped so many people. I've helped yeah. you know, a mom with five kids. I've helped a mom with three kids of her own and two kids of another person. Actually, one of my clients is that woman who has... Two kids of her own, three kids, two kids with two kids. Her husband has two kids and they have one of their own kids and she has been battling cancer for five years and she runs a coaching business in the nutrition space and she gets everything done by like 11 o'clock in the morning. And you're like, okay, well, how do you do that? And it's through like me telling her exactly what to do and then her carving out the space and the time and giving herself permission. And a lot of female entrepreneurs are so overburdening themselves by trying to do everything. So it's like, listen, you're not a bad person if you don't cook every meal. Okay? If you use a meal prep service, you're okay. Your husband's not doing the plumbing in the house. Yeah. And he doesn't feel any guilt. Right. So so don't feel bad if you order meal service, if you have a cleaning service, if you, you know, have somebody else do your laundry. But so many women it's very much like the cardio stuff. They've been told yeah. that this is what they have to do. And, you know, you're, you know, you're not a great mom if you don't cook every meal and, you know, do this, that, and the other thing and pack, like, artisanal lunches that are, like, <laughs> Instagrammable, uh, you know. Bento boxes. Yeah, and, and so it's like, you know, you spend 14 hours a day doing that and you spend no time on yourself. Yeah. So, so you have to do that stuff. And then, you know, one last thing I'll say on that is you, even before you do all that stuff, you have to go back to the same thing that they tell you on an airplane, Right. Oxygen mask drops, you put it on yourself first before you help anybody else. And you take care of yourself first mm-hmm. bef- so that you can help everybody else. So whether it's even you know 10 minutes to yourself a day, meditation or exercise or whatever, take care of yourself first so that you can take care of everyone else. Mm-hmm. How do you um, conceptualize or at least address procrastination and distractions? Uh, so that is all about not-to-do lists. So uh, the thing is... Not to do. Yes. I am like one of the weakest, laziest people in the world. Well, because the reason I asked too, because I'm like, oh, I just... Some days I just want to like walk around with my dog and listen to podcasts and like 
fall into the, some Kardashian shows. Right, right. <laughs> but I, but then I feel like shit afterwards because like, God damn it, I just like wasted all this time. Right. Well, you you need to remember how you're gonna feel. I remember, I remember when I was 14 years old. And but I it spent feels a, so good. I spent a Sunday afternoon playing Super Mario Brothers, and I felt like crap. So I felt so crappy after them. Like I'm never wasting another Sunday afternoon ever again on video games. Oh. And, and that's, you know, that's a young age to have that. Yeah, that's revelation. very young. I know. I know. I've, I've I'm blessed with a couple of of superpowers. Uh, one of them is falling asleep in cars, especially when I'm driving. Uh, so I use I only use Uber now. But okay, and then good. another one is realizing when I'm wrong. And so as soon, like if I do something, if I say something, I go, "Oh my god, I said that, that it was wrong and I should never do that again." Or if I, you know, treat somebody bad or if I um, I just know when I'm wrong. Whereas a lot of people I didn't realize this, don't realize that they're wrong. <laughs> and therefore, they go on and continue to be wrong for a long time. So I realized quickly when I'm wrong, and I go and find a way to change it. So what I realized was, okay, I know that I'm going to be tempted to do this again, whatever it is. And so then it's creating like boundaries. It's like, mm-hmm. I imagine, I've always tried to use this like little imagery of you want to you're you're in the middle and you're building a fence around you and all the temptations are outside of the fence Mm -hmm. and inside of the fence is like you being able to do what you're supposed to do so it's you know boundaries guardrails whatever it is everybody needs them Mm -hmm. and so if that means that you want to get up in the morning and you want to you know you want to work on the ballroom dancing certification for crossfit and you have to sit there and have to work work on that (laughs) it's some deep work right well that means that you know, the phone needs to be off, it needs to be across the room, it needs to be hidden, it needs to be turned down, and it needs to be in airplane mode. It needs to be, ev- like, so that every single step allows you an opportunity to stop yourself. So if it's in airplane mode, right? It could be across the room, but if it's not in airplane mode... I don't mean to laugh, but I just have to stop you, because here's what I imagine. Did you, you never watched Sex in the City, did you? I know of it. So there's an episode where Miranda... I just equate this to, like, women and food. Miranda's the red-haired woman? Yeah. I just imagine, like, there's an episode where she's, like... She's self-soothing with chocolate cake because she's just going through a hard time. So she just constantly <laughs> makes herself these cakes and eats them out of yeah. out of a pan at home. And it's like that same thing is like, so she couldn't stop eating them. So one day she drops it in the garbage can and then she eats and it George out Costanza of the... George comes over? Yeah, yeah, and eats it out of the garbage can. So the reason that she, the only way that she could not do that is she squirts um, soap in the trash can on top of the cake. So part of me is like, if I like had to just I've done turn that it... Before, turn I have turn it off like airplane mode. I'd have to like squirt soap on my phone in order to not turn it back on. Well, <laughs> it's like, like it's right there. I'd just be like, I'll just turn it back on. Right, it, seems like it like needs it. to like zap so, me. I need I, like a zap collar. Yeah. You were gonna say something? Nope. Okay, so and I got that from. Have you ever heard of a guy named Brian Wansink? Mm-mm. So he's he's um, he's written all these books about eating, and he's a he's a researcher at Cornell University. You've probably heard of his research, which is like. You know, if you eat a, if you eat off a big plate, you eat more. Right. Um, it's oh, mindless sure. eating is right. his book. Right. And so he's like these great studies where they have soup bowls and they have tubes underneath them, can fill right. them up all Keep the time. So like up. people so are people just eating still... out of this soup bowl, yeah. and it's like this is never going down. It's like this incredible endless <laughs> yeah. bowl of soup. Yeah. Um, anyway, so in one of his books, he talks about okay, if you have a bowl of M and M's on your desk, 
you're going to eat them yeah. because they're within arm's reach. Okay, if you move the bowl of M&Ms yes. off the desk, you eat fewer of them. So you put it if further you, away. If, and then yeah. if you put them in an opaque jar, then you eat fewer. And then if you put them in a cupboard, you eat fewer of them. And then if you put them in a cupboard on the high cupboard, hard to get, you eat fewer of them. And so I realized this with your phone, that if you yeah. do all of these things to move it away and make it harder to use, you're less likely to use it. So mm-hmm. you have to build those boundaries around yourself. Like, um, I don't have an apartment here in Denver anymore, but I did for about 16 months, and I didn't have the internet in the apartment. So I would wake up, and I would wake up really early, and I wasn't going to the office for a couple hours, so I had, n- I had no temptations. All I did was write. Because if I have the internet, I'm going to go on the internet. Yeah. So yeah. You, sometimes you have to go to extremes to protect yourself. I don't know how people go to school anymore. I do- I had, when I was in grad school, I had to download an app on my computer. Literally, the app is called Self Control. Oh, yeah. And you like put in all the either websites or applications that you don't want to allow it to let you open, and you set a timer. And then if you go to that website, it just says it's not, you know, 404, not available or whatever. If you try to open that, uh, the program, it won't let you. Yeah, and it's like, like, for an hour. like Internet Freedom is another one as well yeah. that we tell people, I tell people to use those all the time. Yeah, like, I just think about like when I was in college, it. I'm like, that just didn't exist. Well, and like, it would just be impulsive. Like I would just, without even thinking about it, all of a sudden I'm on Facebook and it's like... Have yeah. you ever been on an airplane where there's no Wi-Fi and you, you keep on like opening up like Firefox or something? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I can't... Oh, right, yeah, you I'm just, it's yeah. like muscle memory. You yes. just yeah. can't not do it. It's yeah. so, so hard. So another thing that is helpful is public accountability. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to quit anything, public accountability is one of the best things to do. So what's your cell phone number? So people, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know it actually. <laughs> They're gonna text you. I literally we don't just know have it. everyone and text it's you. It's because I don't want to be able to give it out. So I don't know my cell phone. What number. if there was like an emergency? Yeah. What about your ice contacts? <laughs> what do you mean? Like if there was an emergency? Well, and other you people can like get no, my phone number. No, I know, number? but like, I just feel like not. That's like the first. Like if you were but you lost, you don't have to tell somebody your. What phone if you were number? like lost and your parents couldn't find you and you needed to be like, this is my address and my phone number. Call my mom. Well, she would ha- <laughs> she has my phone number, but I don't know it. No, I, that's what I mean, though. Like, remember when you were a little kid? And oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I was like... Well, who knows? Who knows? Do the you, par- know, do you do even you, know your parents' phone number? Yeah, I of course they do. Know. It's in there, but it, right. I Right, but what it. if you lost your phone? You could never call your mom again. I'm just saying. We, we have awkward conversations, might be worth, so really... <laughs> might be worth memorizing. Really, it's... Even, uh, even our emails are awkward. We're really just better face-to-face. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Yeah, we so, to, okay, go ahead, so public accountability, and I realized this back when I was r- running transformation contests in my business, that the, like, the people that... There was, a, there was many factors that allowed them to succeed, but people that would post their before photos like on day one, mm-hmm. those people stuck around a whole lot longer than mm-hmm. the people that didn't post a, fo- a photo because... They were like, oh, man, I put the photo up. I better f- at least follow, follow through on through. this. Yeah. And so I quit swearing like six years ago. And the more people I tell that I quit swearing to, the harder it is for me to swear because I don't want to be a hypocrite, right? Yeah, I need to do that. Right. Well, you don't have to. I mean, I <laughs> Yeah, I do. I, I have no moral judgment on it. I just wanted to yeah. do it. Yeah. So I, to- And I did it. And... And uh, I mean, I'm swearing up here all the time. I've been mm-hmm. swearing like, for the last, like every, every other word <laughs> Great. in my head, yeah. but just not, I'm just not allowing it to come out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And so now I tell people, all everybody that, and that public accountability holds me to it. And, it, like and how, you can use that for everything. I liked how a minute ago you said GSD, get stuff done. Well, yeah. I was like, you could you have just left it at GSD. I didn't, th- I thought you were just going to leave it at GSD. I was like, thank you. Why don't yeah. you just say get stuff done? Yeah. 
in the first place, but I appreciated that you clarified, just so you know, yeah. that S stands for stuff. Right. Yeah. 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 That's what it stands for. Yeah. <laughs> Not the... Like, uh, why would you want to do the other one? No. Yeah. Not at all. You got a big pile of it. <laughs> We're wrapping up. I do want to talk about... I know you've traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. So tell us about a place that you feel is memorable was stuck with you i'm sure there's a lot of places but something that has stuck with you with oh, all of your everybody travels. has to go to japan really i've oh, heard that oh my gosh it's i've never been to another planet but it is the closest <laughs> it's got to be the closest thing it is so awesome did you go this is a stupid question did you go skiing there no i did not they the apparently have amazing skiing oh yeah of course yeah their snow is amazing yeah oh no it's they dubai that it's dubai that has the indoor yeah, the mall indoor i've been there penguins. i've you skied have? i've skied i got a sunburn in the morning and i skied in the dubai mall in the did afternoon did you see penguins crazy um no but you know what's really awesome was um the middle eastern men going down the tube ride in their yes. in their outfits it was it was, awesome. it was memorable that very is, memorable that's great yeah so that was good um but Japan Japan's is just a different planet. Yeah, Tokyo is is really great. I, I really look forward to going to, back to Japan. That's the second place that everybody should go, and everybody should go to Italy. No, oh, I haven't been to either of those places. Yeah, I mean, it just what is your impression culture wise? Just let's use those two places as an example of like health and fitness there, because I feel like Americans are just so nutty. Um, I would say so, but I would say that. In Italy, not so much. I would say in Japan. I remember being in a taxi in Japan, and, and on the back of the driver's seat, there was like an ad for a weight loss gym. Like there was a gym ad, and it was about losing weight. I obviously couldn't decipher it. I don't uh, read Japanese, yeah. but but it was like an ad you would see here. Yeah. Um, you know, I stayed in American hotels there, so there was gyms. I'm trying to remember. I didn't go to any like. Like, one of my favorite things to do when I travel is, like, what'd you do in, the, you know, Lithuania when you went there this summer? Oh, I went to, like, three gyms. Yeah. Like, I just like going to them and yeah. seeing, like, what... And the thing is, like, in... I go to Lithuania every summer because I do a business uh, seminar there. And they have gyms that are very much like the Colorado Athletic Club oh, in, really? Lith- in Lithuania. It's yeah. Not a lot of them, but well, actually in their main city, they have at least two of them. To with me, like sleds and turf and everything. So, to I mean, me, Lithuania sounds like one of those places that you just like make up. When like you're Albonia? Like, yeah. Or like Djibouti or something, which also is, you which know, is also a real, real country. But you know, it's like if you have to think of like somewhere far, far away that no one ever goes, you're like, Lithuania. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, and you know what that, that country is crazy summer. about? Basketball. I oh, crazy. I knew that because of the show New Girl. In really? that in that show, the roommate that comes back had just yes. come back from playing basketball in Lithuania. That is that is a great reference. <laughs> I love that you just got your fact from New Girl. <laughs> yeah. Wow. See I just guys? got schooled there. God, Claire. Oh, but <laughs> these are very yeah. things. Yeah, so um, <laughs> You guys, I hope you liked that interview. Sorry that it cut out. We just got to talking and there's only so much room on our Zoom recorder since we recorded in the living room. So sorry that you had like just Awkward an epic cut end. on that. <laughs> but you didn't miss much because basically we were just asking Craig where we can find him. So just follow him on Instagram. It's at the real Craig Valentine. And Craig is C-R-A-I-G. Ballantyne is B-A-L-L-A-N-T-Y-N-E. He's the author of The Perfect Day Formula, creator of Turbulence Training. He's at Perfect Life 
workshop.com and he also has the empire podcast so check him out he's got so much good information he's such a fun person to talk to and we hope you guys like the show and don't forget to check out the good kitchen www.thegoodkitchen.com forward slash ggw use code ggw for 15 percent off and that will help support the podcast thank you guys so much Bye. bye